No, it's usually I. I just kind of joke that it's it. We're too close to it, and it's kind of why doctors can't heal thyself, right? Like, mm. I mean, we need relationships. We need other perspectives. I, ironically, I have a hard time solving my own bottlenecks. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Bobby Walker with the Journey of a New Entrepreneur podcast, and I want to ask you one thing. Are you doing what you want to do in life? Are you pursuing what you want in life? Why not? Don't be a bitch. Be the captain of your own ship. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy. What is going on, everybody? It is Bobby Walker here with the Journey of a New Entrepreneur podcast. And oh my God, it just feels awesome. This is my second show back from my little like month-long hiatus that I took. I just got done editing the, the episode that I recorded a day ago. And man, it's just like got the blood flowing through my veins again. I'm angry at myself for not doing this because connecting with you guys and, and sharing my story with you and sharing other people's stories with you is kind of what just like gets my gets my blood flowing so glad to be back glad you're joining us again today we've got another awesome guest and one of the coolest things about today's guest it's probably my favorite way to do a show is i don't like know this guy like i know him a little bit i like i've met him and we've talked like 20 minutes but we're going to get to know him together i know a few cool things about him he's going to have some powerful content for us as business owners uh we might even learn a little bit about surfing along the way but I'm not ready to talk about that just yet. So Josh, you just sat there. You look pretty. Let your head shine just like mine does. And uh, give me just a second. First off, gentlemen, ladies, business owners, people that want to grow their business, I've got to tell you about Responsibid. Responsibid is the sponsor of the Journey of a New Entrepreneur podcast. But let me tell you why they are. They're not the sponsor because they approached me and said, hey, we have this thing and we want you to talk about it. They're the sponsor of the show because I was using Responsibid for over a year, fell in love with it, and I was always telling people about it, constantly telling people about it to the point that I became good friends with the guy that owns the company. And one day I, I approached Kurt and I'm like, Kurt, I'm sending you a lot of business. You, ne you need to throw a little cheddar my way, man. You need to sponsor my podcast. And he said, I like that idea. So uh, they're now the sponsor of the show. Now, if you don't know what Responsibid is, Simply put, Responsibid is the premier selling tool for the service industry. It does a lot of stuff, and I don't have time to tell you everything. So let me tell you this. The cool thing that everyone thinks is sexy, which is, isn't even the best thing, is it's like a full-time salesperson that never sleeps, never calls in, never gets sick, that lives on your website where people can go and get accurate quotes for any type of service that you offer in any industry accurately. And once they get the quote, they can schedule themselves on your calendar because it has intelligent scheduling that takes all of this awesome stuff into account so it doesn't ever mess up your schedule. And then it collects a, 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 a deposit and you're sitting in a movie theater. This happens to me. I've done this in the lazy river before too at like Whitewater. But you're sitting in a movie theater, you're in a lazy river, you're driving down the road and you get three notifications on your phone. Someone got the quote, someone scheduled themselves and then they dropped money in your account paying the deposit to secure that spot. It's the best feeling ever. Happened to me today. Things are a little slow for me right now. This pandemic's kind of killing me. But today I'm driving around. I got two hundred ninety, or I got twenty nine dollars just dropped in the account while I'm driving to the gun range today. Ten percent deposit, three hundred bucks. I'm driving to go shoot guns. It was cool. It was awesome. 
ResponseBid also handles your follow-up sequences. It makes you money while you're asleep. It makes quoting easy, simple, consistent across the board. It's awesome. So here's how you check it out. You go to jnebid.com. And at jnebid.com, it's the only place that you can get a free month of service. I, I negotiated that excuse me, negotiated that for Journey of a New Entrepreneur listeners. And you go there, check it out, get a free trial. And I think that's it. So jnebid.com, that's J-N-E, like Journey of a New Entrepreneur, B-I-D, like responsey, bid.com. All right. Now, into the meat of the show. Today, I am joined by Joshua Long. He's an author. Uh, he's got a book that if I'm being completely honest with you guys, I haven't read, but the, the title is awesome. So it's The Bottleneck Breakthrough, How to Fix and Find Your Number One Biggest Challenge in Your Business. Okay. I'm excited to, to talk about that a little bit, but probably the cooler thing about Josh, it's not his hairstyle. It's uh, where he lives. He lives in Hawaii, man. He lives in Hawaii, bro. It's awesome. It's cool. He lives on the big island. And I was proud that whenever he said the big island, I knew that you know, the, you're one of the few, yeah, yeah, you're one yeah. of the few that gets it, that it's the official <laughs> Island of Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, Josh is here uh, joining us today and we're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about uh, surfing. We're going to talk about finding bottlenecks in your business. We might even discuss spam a little bit. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. Josh, welcome to the show. Like I said, I really Thanks, don't know you well. We, we spent a little, a little bit of time talking before, but, um, let me, let me tell everyone how I met you, and then I want you to kind of introduce yourself, okay? So I'm a part of a uh, mastermind group, and um, we had, uh, we, we, we've been doing these weekly meetings just because of all the stuff going on with the virus right now, and Josh, just, he was a guest and just kind of joined the group and just kind of helped us out, kind of getting a little creative on some things, and um, I thought, I like this guy, and at first, I was a little embarrassed because I'm like, you know, my language was a little rough and I was throwing some weird backdrops on my green screen here that maybe had some women in bikinis and stuff. And I thought this guy, he, he may not like me, but he handled himself like a champ. He, uh, he was super fun. So I sent him a message and I'm like, dude, don't even know you want you on my podcast. And he said, I'm down. So here we are, Josh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Thanks, Bobby. That was, that was fun. I enjoyed those guys and uh, Sid Graf, great friend and mm -hmm. um, good connection bridge between us. So mutual respect, whoever Sid hangs out with, I'm happy to hang out with. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I've been doing consulting for a little over a decade, got my ass handed to me in 08 with the mortgage crisis. I had a mortgage brokerage. So uh, out of grad school, I, I went to get my MBA while I was waiting to get into med school and met my wife and realized every doctor that was married before med school that I knew wasn't married after med school. So uh, <laughs> I was getting my MBA, fell in love with business, uh, decided to start um, a software company that failed, started a mortgage brokerage, made a lot of money, then it failed. And I was trying to, it was just licking my wounds, trying to figure out what I was going to do at 29 years old. And I went to work for uh, a guy that I looked up to, um, who was a consultant, had a great book, um, became his marketing director for a couple of years, went out on my own and have been, as a buddy of mine says, uh, buttering my own bread for the last decade, nice. uh, doing consulting. And I, the bottleneck theory, I, I called it when I had my mortgage brokerage, it was just like this only way I could see, organize my business. Everything was so much white noise and I had stacks of paperwork and I'd never get to anything. And I was living in God a minute meetings. And I was just like, you know, if I could fix 
what's the biggest thing I need to fix? And at the time it was getting loans underwritten because in California where I was, the market was hot. We had so many uh, prospects coming out of our ears. And when I got started, even though I had a good loan processor and loan officer working for me, it still took us like 30 days to get approvals. Hmm. I'm like, man, this is killing me. And so we worked on it and we worked on it and I can go in more detail, but we got it down to three days and it was like, Oh, life's easy. Nice. Get approval in three days. We're sitting around waiting for the escrow to close or for the refi to be done and life's easy. And so then it was like, okay, if I fix the next bottleneck, it's kind of like climbing up a certain spiral stair. Like you just keep making growth and these things keep compounding. And mm-hmm. so I, I had that idea back then. And then around 2012, I had a client that, um, a civil engineering firm, they were stuck and long story short, they said, what do we do? We're going to lose our biggest client. And I, I worked on a project to help them uh, improve their proposal process. We saved the client. We used that proposal process. It became the template and we went out and closed $3.3 million of work over the next year wow. and doubled them in two years, took them from 2.2 million to 4.7 million in two years. And I was like, oh, and then I had a couple of more clients that just kind of let me do my thing. And that's when the bottleneck breakthrough method really got legs was that so many business owners think they know what they need and think Mm -hmm. they think that their problem is X, but nine times out of 10, it's not. And if I just have the chance to step in and help them and really find their real bottleneck, we fix that one thing. And it is a domino effect that, that creates all sorts of growth behind it. And um, it's a lot easier way to grow a company too, because you're not letting every which every distraction and walking around with every um, fire capturing your attention. So that's my approach. I, I work with lots of different companies and lots of different industries. Um, my sweet spot uh, is usually companies between one and five million. Um, they're just really in pain when they get to that point. I know it seems crazy for your listeners where they're at. Like a million dollars seems like nirvana for, for a lot of business owners. And, um, but it's it just the, the complexity gets larger and the problems get larger and they get out of their depths on management and leadership and communication. And so obviously I'm like you, I got the gift of gab. I can fill any, I can talk till the cows come home. So yeah. hel- helping them with that stuff is, is definitely something I enjoy. Do you guys as well. have cows in Hawaii? You know what? The town I'm in was the Parker ranch is the air is the ranch nearby up until about 15, 20 years ago, it was the third largest cattle ranch in the U S no kidding. Wow. A lot of yep. jealous Texas guys about that thing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, they call it Paniolo country. It's cowboy country in Hawaiian. Nice. Um, so I'm about 3000 foot elevation up here and uh, it's all big plain, big open plain between two volcanoes. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's really cool. Well, let me ask you this question. As you were talking about, you know, that, um, that bottleneck, why do you think it is, why do you think business owners can't see the bottlenecks? Because, you know, you would think if you're looking at something um, systematically, it should be clear. Uh, what have you found that's been, is it, is it a pride issue? Is it, they're just too close to it to be able to see it? No, I've never found it. Oh, I shouldn't say never once in a blue moon, there's a pride issue, but that's rare. No, it's usually, I, I just kind of joke that it's, we're too close to it. And it's kind of why doctors can't heal thyself. Right? Like, Mm. I mean, we need relationships. We need other perspectives. I ironically, I have a hard time solving my own bottlenecks in that <laughs> consulting. <laughs> so it's just the way our brains are wired. Um, 
And the other thing is, is as we look up like the hierarchy of bottlenecks, like the first bottleneck, everybody needs to solve. And I'll let you even guess, Bobby, what's that? What's the first bottleneck that any Bill business or lead, like leads, leads right? yeah, yeah, getting clients, right? If you can't get a client, you don't have a business. Yep. So I told you guys, I told everyone listening, sales is far more important than operations because if you don't have sales, 100%. you can't out operate a sales problem. Anyway, carry, continue to prove me. Yeah, right, you're, you're 100% right. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep proving <laughs> you're right. So, so, so getting leads. And so the problem is that most small business owners getting leads is the crack cocaine of their business because hmm. they knew starting out that they needed it desperately. And they've, a lot of them live with this constant fear in the back of their mind that their leads are going to dry up. Mm-hmm. So then they go and they buy all sorts of programs. They go to um, all sorts of events and conferences, buy software because it's all selling the crack cocaine of lead gen, right? Mm-hmm. Well, once you get to a certain size and especially in home services and you get kind of the flywheel effect of reviews and word of mouth where you're the, you're the gold standard for your market, leads really aren't a problem. So you have to graduate from there to then fulfillment. And then most business owners do really good on the fulfillment side. Um, They wouldn't continue to get referrals. They wouldn't continue to get clients if they weren't doing a good job, right? So So could fulfillment be summed up as operations at that ultimate? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Operations, uh, getting your crews out, servicing the clients, Mm -hmm. um, fixing things they break, whatever. Um, So yeah, fulfillment, serving the clients, Um, operations, like you said. Then from there, it kind of starts getting fuzzy. They start getting out of their depth. And that's where I just call it, the um, putting out the fires, the got a minute meetings, getting pulled every which way. Because now Mm -hmm. that the base is covered, getting clients, fulfilling clients, like once that's covered, then it's kind of like they fall into this free fall of, well, I don't really know what to do next. I'm just going to play whack-a-mole all day. And I feel fulfilled because I'm, I'm needed and everybody comes to me and I'm the answer man or answer woman. And it's not an ego thing. It's just kind of a slippery slope that they build this, trap around themselves that they're needed for everything and they don't realize okay next is management or systemization um, or developing leaders um, developing giving people responsibility so it's just these are all things that are outside of the typical small business entrepreneur skill set and so like you have a big corporate background so you saw a lot of that management structure uh, uh responsibility, accountability, project management, planning, um, quotas, performas, all that projection stuff. That all happens in the big businesses because it has to, to keep those going. But most small business owners never see that. They never have an understanding of it. They equate that to bureaucracy. They think that's overkill. And so that's, that's really why they get out of their depth. um, in, In my opinion. And so then when you go back to like getting leads, well, we know there's a big gap between, getting a lead and closing that lead. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I step in right at that point where the leads come in, they're getting proposals are sold. And then you now are fulfilling them, going out and servicing them right there. There's so many things on both sides of that, whether it's scheduling better or whether it's providing something that helps the prospect feel more confident, whether that's getting a group of testimonials together that is in a little brochure that's nice and neat that you can leave behind that lets them talk to their spouse and they feel confident that you're actually going to be able to do it and you weren't just smooth talked or whatever. Um, And so it's all those little things that can be optimized um, that may or may not be the key bottleneck at that moment, but it's really hard to inspect all of that stuff 
for most small business owners. Now, do you find, um, you, you said you've been doing this for 10 years now, um, if I'm listening yep. correctly. Yep. So you, you've, there, you know, you've had a ton of clients. Are there two or four or five things that everyone's dealing with, or do you walk into each situation and it's completely different for every person? Yeah, I'd say there's a handful of things they're dealing with. And so in my book, I talk about on page six, I have what I call the bottleneck matrix, which is just revenue plateaus, common bottlenecks. Now, these are for mostly written for B2B companies. So companies that are servicing other businesses, they tend to have a little bit higher transaction value. They have, tend to have fewer clients mm -hmm. um, than maybe some of your guys. Um, so then these numbers may adjust, but like at a half a million, my clients are usually, um, their staff are all just like extensions of their arms. They're like, yeah. go, go gadget arms to wrap their arms around everything. But that owner is still touching everything and able to correct, course correct. And those guys, like right now are having a hard time because they're used to having everybody in an office and now they're remote and they're, they're used to managing by walking around. Hey, hey, change that. Or, oh yeah, I can help. And when their staff's not around to constantly lean on them, mm -hmm. th then they're not as effective. And so- that's where like a lot of times we create roles and responsibilities. Like, Hey, this is what you're in charge of. I need you to hit this, this, and this, we're going to review it every week and you need to run with it. And if you get stuck, you need to let me know. Like that's where the separation starts happening to become more of a manager at a million bucks. The owner is throttling themselves from closing more business because they don't have a little Napoleon running operations. Hmm. They don't have a crew lead or whatever. And so they aren't closing more business because they know if they close more business, it's going to make more pressure on operations. And then they're going to have to get in and go fix that. And they don't want to, yeah. so they need to develop an operations. They manager. started making a little bit of money. They got a little bit of time and they don't necessarily want to. So they throttle themselves. Yeah. Like they yeah. got to that thermostat. It's kind of this happy medium. They know there's more potential, but they don't know what to do. And the solution is hmm. they need to develop an operations manager. That is the little Napoleon that they just keep throwing leads over and clients over and they just take it and run. And then the owner can go back to being the rainmaker more. Um, and then like at 2 million, usually they aren't, uh, they need to upgrade the size of clients they've got. So they need to go after a little bit bigger fish and they need to do a few things different to make their sales process fit for them mm -hmm. because then it's really the same effort, but they're getting more zeros at the end of each deal and it's more stable and they can scale faster from there. At 5 million, they need to really build a management layer. So they need to have somebody in charge of sales, somebody in charge of marketing, somebody in charge of operations, and somebody in charge of finance. Yeah. Um, and, and so then it's just these constant thresholds that we hit. And for the sake of my listeners here, and you've already said this once, but uh, most of the people, most of you guys listening, uh, you're in an industry similar to mine. Don't freak out and think that you can't have a manager until $5 million because that's, uh, you know, Josh was talking about kind of some different types of businesses. So uh, yeah, those, things are a little different. Same stages of are the same. Yeah. It's just different dollar amounts. Yeah. And yeah. so like I spoke in November, I spoke at Service Autopilot's annual conference. They, oh, okay. Uh, are you familiar with them? I'm familiar with them. I don't, I don't use them, but I'm familiar with them. Yeah. So I've become friends with the owner, Jonathan Potochnik. He's a great guy. They, he loved my book, wanted me to come speak. And so like we changed it, like their real threshold um, is around 250 or 300,000 is when they need to get like a crew manager, somebody mm -hmm. that's in charge of 
the landscape crews that are going out. Yeah. Um, and that kind of starts that process of that operations manager. Um, so yeah, and I'm sure you've got those outlined uh, in mm-hmm. some of the stuff you talk about. And yeah. so uh, it's all the same. It's just slightly different numbers, slightly different businesses. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. So I'm, I'm just going to ask you the pointed question. Are you feeling pretty fulfilled doing what you're doing? Yeah, I do. It's, um, it's provided a great quality of life for me. Like I'm never going to retire on a 50 foot yacht sailing through Monaco or whatever, mm-hmm. the Mediterranean doing this. Um, but I, we were able to move to Hawaii a year and a half ago. We homeschool our kids. They're eight, 10 and 12. Um, I can work anywhere with anyone, uh, on my own schedule. And, um, yeah, it's a lot of variety. It's a lot of challenge. I work with about seven to 10 clients at a time mm-hmm. and I go deep. I really am, love building deep relationships with my clients and I'm friends with most of them after we stop working. And so for me, helping run seven to 10 companies is just about perfect for me. Yeah. I'm, I probably work about 25 or 30 hours a week and nice. um, play golf or tennis when we're not under coronavirus and go down to the beach and goof around. So one of the things that like really attracted me to you and wanting to talk to you was during our call that we were on last week, you were like, yeah, guys, listen, this is awesome. I'm really enjoying it. But uh, you've got me for like 10 more minutes because like, it's almost perfect surf. You know, <laughs> it's like, I'm out of here. I got my shorts on my boards outside the door and I'm out. And I thought, I like this guy a lot. So, but you know, on that note, you know, I was actually just talking to a friend just a few minutes before, um, uh, buddy, named John Lang, a lot of my listeners probably know who he is. So shout out to John. I was talking to a buddy named John Lang, um, just on the phone. We were just chatting right before we started recording and, um, yeah. You know, hey John, how you doing? Oh, blah, 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 blah. Well, how you doing, Bob? Well, you know, and we're, you know, within the context of this whole coronavirus thing. And I said, you know, I said, be quite frank. If you look at it on paper, which is the real world. My, my business is just getting the shit kicked out of it right now. You know, I mean, we're still doors are open. I've got, you know, two techs still working for me and, you know, uh, you know, I had told John, I said, you know, we did like $7,000 last week. And he's like, well, hell that would have been a good week. And I'm like, well, everything's in, you know, everything's relative, right. You know, that would have been great for me not too long ago, but but uh, I said, here's the thing, you know, things are rough. I had to lay some people off. You know, I got bills coming that we're covering, but just barely and blah, 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 blah. But I said, but here's what's cool though, is aside from a war or like the black plague, you know, like a pandemic where like, I know, and I don't want to minimize the people that have died. Okay. <laughs> right. But like the, right. but like something that's coming through killing millions and millions of people or something like right. we're living through a really bad thing right now you know the has there been something as devastating to an economy in any of our lifetimes no you know and this is a worldwide thing and people are struggling and some people are losing their businesses and you know and and they didn't do anything wrong that's the thing that frustrates me is small there are so many small business owners that are never going to reopen they're going to have to file bankruptcy and they didn't do anything wrong yeah they may not have stacked as much cash as they could have they may not have minimize debt as much as they could have, but their business was sustainable. Yeah. And that's the part that saddens me, frustrates me. All, all wrapped up in one. Yeah. Go ahead. Finish your point. Well, yeah. Well, you know, I need to finish my damn point. Cause I'm God, I, 
I'm really terrible at that. But, uh, but here's what I got to with him. I said, we're in the middle of all this stuff. And even though I've dealt with some stress, you know, over the last few weeks, I'm like, today I had one of those, I had the moment. I've got a pond over here. I'm getting to my point, I promise. I got a pond over here by the house. And, and now instead of going to Starbucks and setting up the laptop, I take my beach chair over there and I set up my laptop and I tether to my phone and I do my work and, and look at the ducks and all this stuff. And I'm having a moment and I'm like, you know what? We're in the middle of this horrible thing. My business is getting its teeth kicked in. And I'm just like as happy as can be. I'm as yeah. happy as can be. And the reason I'm happy as can be is my wife's awesome. My kids are awesome. Mm -hmm. I don't have the money I really want right now, but I've got the things that are important. I've learned to be content mm -hmm. with the moment and, and I'm pursuing what I want. And mm -hmm. Joshua, you've never heard of the podcast before, but you know, I always sign off saying, if you're not doing the things that you want to do, you better have a damn good reason for it. But if you're not pursuing them, there's no good reason. And I've, I've fallen in love with the journey or with, you know, with the climb as Miley Cyrus would say it. Um, I've fallen in love with that. <laughs> and it's like, I love right now. Yeah. I, you know, I do dream about the things I'm going to be able to do with my wife in 10 years or 15 years, whenever, you know, we're on that 50 foot yacht or whatever. Right. But I'm also like, Hey, I went to the gun range with my wife tonight. She tried out some pistols. She's going to buy exactly. one. Exactly. That's a lot of fun. And right now I'm loving life. And so well, my, and I think that that journey, enjoying the journey is the key. And I got into riding motorcycles about 10 years ago, eight, nine years ago. And um, my buddies, we all rode dual sports in, in California. And so the Sierras are 10 times more interesting when you got a dual sport. Yeah, I'm, and, I'm sure. <laughs> and I realized my nickname became dead end because I would just find all the dead ends to the trails. I'm like, hey, let's go over here. Let's try this. Let's try mm -hmm. this. And it was like, I didn't care where we ended up. I didn't care. It's a dead end. Yeah. I just wanted to find, I just wanted to explore. I just wanted to be on the journey. And it's like realizing when you're in a car, you're like, Oh, I don't want to drive on this road. I need to get to where we're going. Mm -hmm. But when you're on a motorcycle, that's the whole point. That's the windy, the, yeah. Like when that sign shows up windy for the next 380 miles, it's like, yeah, I mean, or, <laughs> or no services for a hundred miles. Perfect. I mean, it's yeah. just, let's explore and let's check it out. But that's, and I think yep. that's the thing. How old are you now? Uh, 41. Yeah. I'm, I'm 41. turning 41 this month. And so I think that's the part of, I felt like my twenties was a lot of learning. My thirties was a lot of healing mm -hmm. and I, I've, I've never been happier. And I mean, I got some weight to lose and, yeah. um, clearly all my hair fell out. Um, but I, I don't give a shit. It's like yeah. life's good. And uh, I got a great marriage, great kids, great friends, and a career that I get to help a lot of people that is fulfilling. Well, to harp on this point for another minute, you know, uh, I don't know if you know who Josh Latimer is or not, but uh, he's, he's real popular and big in our industry. And my, my audience knows him because I've quoted him a lot on here. And uh, Josh, uh, I don't actually connect with him as much as I used to because he's kind of like went into a new chapter and a different, you know, he's kind of doing some different stuff now. But um, he, he kind of was mentoring me from afar. Mm. and whenever we talk, I'd, you know, I'd say something like, well, he'd be like, Bob, you're doing really good here. And I'm like, well, I am, but I haven't done this, you know, or well, I am, but I haven't done that. And finally, one day he, through the phone, he just bitch slapped me. He's like, you have got to stop saying that. He's like, man, he goes, uh, he has this, this quote that he always loves and I'm going to mix it up a little bit, but 
is something along the lines of you've already won and you don't have anything else to do, you know, and which some, you know, getting back to our point is listeners. I'm going to be arrogant for a minute and say, you should want to be like me and not, not because my business is the one that you need or not because my whatever's the one you should want to be like me in the sense that I've just fallen in love with like kind of who I am, where I'm at and what I've got going. And what it took was for me to realize that I don't have anything else to prove. I've proven to myself that I'm going to pursue my dreams. That's really all I need to do. Um, I, I make a choice to be a good husband, a good father, a good friend. And then like everything else is just kind of it. I mean, like I've still got these big goals. Of course. But it doesn't, but, but if those goals all crumble down and I never achieve it them. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. Like yeah. that's the thing. I, and I think that's when I was in my twenties, I, we got married and I remember laying in our little apartment and had this whiteboard and I'm like, we're going to be millionaires and retire by the time I'm 30. Like, yeah, I was so striving. I had so much to prove. I was so insecure and didn't love myself and didn't mm-hmm. know even how to start getting healed or, or get over that, those all those traumas and bad programming we get as kids that say we're not enough or that we got to make money to prove that we're worthy or um, all of that stuff. And so for me, like having to file bankruptcy in 08 um, when I'm 29 years old and my daughter's a week old Mm. uh, was like the best gift in the world because it was like, Hey, you, you, I ran as hard as I could through as many walls as I could. And all I got was my ass handed to me. Yeah. And it, it was like the beginning of this journey of learning to trust the process, enjoy the journey, love myself, be grateful for so much that I have. And again, I have great goals. I want to accomplish a lot. Yeah. I push myself. I want that 50 foot yacht. Of course. I, but of course. yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me ask you a question I should have asked at the very beginning because I'm seeing it on your screen as Josh. You prefer Josh or Joshua? Josh is fine. Okay. Uh, my grandmother okay. called me Joshua and I used to go by Joshua long and I wrote, I probably, if I did my book over, I'd go by Josh long, mm-hmm. but I actually got, I was so insecure in business that I didn't want to go by Josh long because in college, some friends of mine, it was a fun name in college, but if you say my name real fast, you end up with Josh long. And so they'd call me <laughs> Joe Schlong. And so my nickname in college was Schlong or Schlong or Long Duck Dong or something like that. And so I wanted to legitimize myself and go by Joshua Long so that yeah. nobody could ever confuse me and call me Schlong. But well, no, I don't you're, care. You're Josh, Josh Schlong to me. So. <laughs> <laughs> or Josh Long. I, 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 meant, I meant to say it right and I messed Joe up. Schlong. So. You're jo- jo- Joe Schlong. Joe Um So Josh, uh, I've got a, an important question. I actually ask every podcast guest this question. Um, and it's actually, it's kind of like been the pillar of what the whole podcast is built on. And I've on purpose didn't tell you about this because I kind of wanted your organic, you know, mm-hmm. feedback. But uh, this will be, uh, again, by design, without question, the most uh, impactful part of the show here. So let me paint a picture for you. I don't even have a picture picture to paint. I was going to try to get creative. I'm just going to ask you the question. Go right ahead. Would you rather, okay, in a fight to the death, now, bare hands, you get no weapons, all right? You're just in a big open field, fight to the death. One, 
horse-sized duck or 1,000 duck-sized horses. Just you, just them. Yeah, horse-sized duck all day. Are you kidding me? No. Oh, my God. I, How does I, a duck kill you? A have horse, you ever, a thousand but, horses uh, running me over. Like, no, they're, but they're, they're that. They're, they're a thousand they're horses a the size of a, of a chihuahua, yeah. I mean, a yeah, little bitty. Yeah, yeah. It'd be, I get tired of kicking them after a while. Um, Gulliver's <sighs> Travels. I mean, Gulliver got tied down by the pygmies that were this little. Yeah, but that's a, that, was, that was fake. This is real life, man. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, a, a horse-sized duck. Um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd try to ride it and choke it out. You're naked, choke it. I don't think you could, man. I don't think you could. It doesn't have opposable thumbs. What's it going to do? It has claws. Oh, they don't have much claw. Oh, they do when they're the size of a horse. And <laughs> they're going to weigh 1,200 pounds. Their bill yeah. is, is going to be that long. You know, yeah. basically a big old piece of wood that it can swing around. And if you have you ever seen a photo of the inside of a duck's mouth? Uh-uh. It just looks like it's just like lined with teeth. It almost looks like a shark's oh, mouth. Yeah, they're, they're, they're horrifying animals. It's, a, it's so. a one-way valve, huh? Yeah, that's that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> that, that that's exactly what it is. You know, but they allows them to kind of keep the thing down that they yeah yeah, yeah they're terrifying. I I love how many duck sized horses? Just, just a thousand. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather take the duck all day. A thousand, uh, a thousand little guys. Well, they couldn't do coming anything. after you. Imagine this. Imagine a horse's a mouth. A horse? How its teeth? Like but how look, hard they bite? Think how small his mouth would be. Yeah. Have you have you ever seen a squirrel bite somebody? That's not fun. No, I haven't. But I just watched Alone mm. on Hulu from the History Channel. Gal shoots a squirrel with a bow and arrow in the stomach, gets down, and it's not dead. And she goes to try to kill it, and it latches on and bites all the way through her oh, hand. Damn, that does sound terrifying. I mean, you're not gonna. I'm not gonna <laughs> come over to your side. A thousand of those. A thousand of those potential what? bites. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Here's the deal. <laughs> Squirrels have like these incisors. Horses really don't. They just have big you know molars when they're that around. small i bet they turn sharp you can't make the rules up as we go bro so all right well you've you've said enough you've said enough um before we move move on to kind of the next section here i want to learn a little bit more about you uh where where guys can get your book and stuff like that too but uh i do want to take just a second and show my listeners uh well i'm not going to show the listeners but i will show the viewers <laughs> viewers uh, that are on youtube um Look at this awesome thing. Now, it's kind of hard to see because I've got this green screen, so it kind of messes up my, my thing. But I got this cool sticker here. It's the new Journey of a New Entrepreneur sticker. Nice. And uh, it's, it's awesome. looks exactly like the logo you got on the screen. Yeah, it's just the same thing. And, and if you want one, hit me up on Facebook. I'll send it to you as long as you promise just to post it online. But here's what's cool about this sticker is it looks just like the thing that's on the screen here. And it's the New Entrepreneur's Toolkit. And guys, here's what I did. Uh, I, I took everything that we did to get from zero to $20,000 a month in, and it took us eight months to do it. Okay. Um, and it was just keep it simple, stupid. And honestly, Josh, he, you know, it's like the things that he's talking about. Uh, I didn't even get to the operations side because frankly, the operations side is the easy part. Like if you're in my industry, we're spraying water on shit. Right. Um, but you know, whether if you're in lawn care, if you're in this or that, you know, you're just, you're, th that's the easy part. Okay. Uh, the hard part is getting the customers. The hard part is, uh, getting the phone to ring. 
the hard part, you know, then getting the customers, um, then getting big ticket prices, then helping yourself get an online uh, presence with Google reviews. Um, and, and what I did is I went step by step by step from day one before you even open your doors to how you do your market research to make sure that you're going after the correct customers, then into uh, how to get the phone ringing with small budget, how to do a sales presentation, how to build packages to get high ticket prices, how to do all of these things. I've got almost 500 five-star Google reviews because of the things that we do to this day that's in the course, all right? The new entrepreneur's toolkit, all right? Um, it's actually still kind of on the, uh, well, it's not kind of, it's, I still have it on the um, intro special with the virus thing that happened. Uh, I just didn't change it. So it's still out there. If you guys want to get that, you can go to nobitchzone.com and uh, check out the new entrepreneur's toolkit. Here's the cool thing about it though, is uh, the first module is free. So if you go to nobitchzone.com, you put your name, you put your email in there and you get instant access to the uh, market research portion. 100% free, no strings attached. The reason I do that is I know you're gonna see how powerful this thing is and you're gonna to wanna to buy the rest. But there's no strings attached. It is what it is. So go get it, it's free. If you don't like it, send, send me the middle finger emoji, tell me to get out of your life and I'll do it. It'll be great, okay? But uh, we've got a lot of great, great feedback and the best part is anyone that's uh, in the uh, part of the toolkit, you get access to the exclusive JNE Toolkit Mastermind Facebook group which is basically a group full of people that are willing to invest in themselves. So you don't get all the drama and all the BS that you typically get online. You just get people that are uh, starting up their businesses. They're serious about it. They help each other. We ask questions. It's good stuff. So check it out. Go to nobitchzone.com. Check out the new entrepreneur's toolkit. And if you want one of these badass stickers, just shoot me, shoot me a message on Facebook. I'll send you a sticker. It's cool stuff. Josh, I need to talk a little, we, I need to hear a little bit about the surfing thing. Like, do you literally hang 10 toes off the front of a board? No, I'm actually really, really bad at surfing. I'm more, I'm better at floating. Um, okay. So I, uh, and the big island has less surf than uh, the other islands. Mm -hmm. So I end up kayaking more, um, boogie boarding more, um, snorkeling a lot. So there's great reefs all around. So help me out here. I'm going back to my late 80s, early 90s database of movies and stuff. Is the North Shore on the big island or is that on one of the others? It's on Oahu. So that's okay. the most populated island where Waikiki Beach and Pearl Harbor is. And so the North Shore there. And the reason that North Shore, so all the islands have North Shores. Mm -hmm. They all have sandy North Shores. Um, but the reason that Oahu's North Shore is so epic is because if you look at the map, it's at the very north and there's nothing blocking it. And mm -hmm. so all those storms in the winter coming from Alaska, they're getting the most powerful waves right there. And then all the other islands kind of arc around. And so Maui has one little angle that's called Jaws that gets big, but then the rest of Maui doesn't have much waves. And then the big island is south of them. So they get filtered by all of those waves. Mm -hmm. So occasionally we get two spots that'll go off, but they're nothing like the North Shore on Oahu. And is that the the pipeline? Is that where the pipeline Pi is? Bonsai pipeline, yeah. yeah. Backdoor, Waimea. Um, so, and there's probably 20, 12 or 13 breaks right there on the North Shore that are all world famous. 
I don't even remember the movie that I watched back when I was a kid about it, but I just remember the Bonsai Pipeline and Endless Summer. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah, and then there was also like the the skateboarding knockoff version of it of the California guys called Gleaming the Cube. Do you remember that one? I don't. Oh my gosh, probably horribly terrible movie, but you know, I I don't want to watch it again just to I don't want to ruin my childhood, you know. But but I loved uh, that uh, Endless Summer. I, I yeah. gotta, I gotta look that up and watch that again. <clears throat> so, you moved to Hawaii. Did you do it just, just because you wanted to, or that's it? it? Yeah, it's just to live, have more adventure. We were living in Central California in Fresno. I'd been born and raised there. My wife grew up in Orange County in Southern California, and so I lived we were... in Riverside when I was a kid for one year. Um, okay, yep. yeah, so yeah, very familiar with it. Inland Empire, yeah, yep, and. Um, so we always wanted to move to back to the coast and uh, long, long, long story short, my parents had lived in Hawaii for about 10 years on oh, okay. Oahu. And then my cousin got married over there in 2016. And so we went for two weeks, took the kids and loved it. And we we're like, maybe we could make this work. And I had a buddy lives on the big Island. So he started turning the screws. And so it all came through September of 2018. Now, is it what a guy like me would imagine it being? Cause like I've seen some stuff you can live in Hawaii and kind of feel like you're just like living in the country. Kind of, yeah, yeah, right? like where we're at up in cattle country, like it's rolling green hills and it gets cool, like it will get down in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, and highs, and maybe the highest it's been up here is probably 82 or something, but we're at 3,000 feet, so you drive down about 20 minutes and you're at the beach and it's 85 degrees and sunny. Nice, um, so yeah, it, it, it's it's all different. There's on the big island, there's 11 of the 14 climate zones, uh, possible, so you can <laughs> live in just about anything. Um, the people are really laid back. I enjoy that. The big Island and Kauai are both real similar. They're the most laid back, uh, cultures and locals. Mm-hmm. Um, Oahu can feel like LA right on the, on an Island really? at times. Um, so much traffic, so much commerce and, and shops and stuff down in Waikiki, Honolulu. Um, but they're all great. They're all fantastic. Um, yeah, the big Island is less tropical, um, all around like where i'm at it's rolling hill country you drive mm-hmm. down to the west side and it's lava fields um because it's the youngest island so it's in the and the volcanoes are huge they're like fourteen thousand five hundred feet up wow. um, and the other islands maui has one but the other islands aren't that big so um yeah it's just a lot more diverse it's not living um at the beach with a pina colada every day, like yeah. people would would expect. That's the resort living. Well, well, I'm out. That's uh, I don't want anything to do with that. Then. Well, I'll tell you that uh, pina coladas uh, transport just fine in um, thermo flasks and go to the beach just fine. So we've done that plenty. <laughs> but yeah, it's that's more of the resort living, and yeah. um, I'm I'm just not a huge fan of that. So we don't we don't spend a lot of time am. around resorts. I, I love stuff like that myself, and I um, I just want to like move to like the um uh jimmy buffett's margaritaville down there in key west just live at yeah, margaritaville yeah. or something right and yeah. some people it's perfect like yeah. and that's great so and there's all of that and more here so um i i know people that live at resorts and they enjoy it um but actually I live at to, them huh yeah yeah there's condos um that you can own and live year round oh, nice. so the golf courses are all manicured around and there's tour buses driving up and down the roads and stuff so yeah there's lots of lots of variety so I've got to know, is spam really like a delicacy there in Hawaii? Uh, there's more spam eaten on this island than all other 49 states combined. Now, how about you guys? Do you get like your family? Oh, yeah, I enjoy it. it. 
Yeah. yeah I don't eat yeah. a ton of it, but it's like you go to McDonald's and you can get spam and rice. Like they got it on the menu. So it's, uh, I, I was at an Epcot here, uh, for the, um, let's see, it wasn't food and wine festival. It was, uh, they have these different food, all festivals. the, all the countries with all the yeah. foods. Yeah. And, but they don't just do the countries that are there. They'll have like, so they had a, which Hawaii is not a country, but they had a Hawaii. It acts like it, it could yeah. be its own country. <laughs> they had a Hawaii uh, kiosk and there was, it was like, it was a spam dish. I don't remember everything that was in it. It was like my, it was my favorite thing. You know, like there's spam gets well a bad rap. Over here. Spam yeah. gets a bad rap. It, uh, it's, well, I think I it actually... gets that because it's kind of cheap. And mm-hmm. so like, it's like ramen noodles. Exactly. I, I grew up hating them because it's all we could afford to eat when I was a kid. But now that I'm older and I don't have to eat it all the time, it's like I pay big money to go out and eat ramen right. now. Right. <laughs> I yeah. think spam's the same. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And spam can be done right. And just like any other dish, um, they can be um, tuned up pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, so there's more spam here than anywhere else in the U.S. Now, so what's the typical life then for you now? I mean, you're literally, you're waking up, you're doing stuff with your clients every day are you doing something like kayaking or or bodyboarding or or something or no it's uh so since we're about 20 minutes from the beach um we would probably before coronavirus they closed the beaches um due to this so before that we would probably go to the beach once or twice a week um poor thing uh, yeah and goof around um, I was playing tennis two to three times a week. There's a prep school, a really swanky K through 12 school that has a four court tennis facility that was it's indoors and it's really nice donated by the Rutgers university family. And it was five bucks to play at. So uh, there's a big group of us that was playing tennis two to three times a week. So I was doing that a lot. Um, my kids are active. Their sons in basketball daughters are in gymnastics. They're doing that once a week. Um, I try to golf probably twice a month, three times a month, um, scuba dive. I got my scuba cert a year ago. Um, try to scuba, scuba dive about once every other month. Um, so there's four wheel drive trails down to beaches. There's hiking trails down to beaches. Um, so I I mean, it's just a cigar bar all the time. Yeah. I got a buddy (laughs) back in Fresno. They, every Friday they'd end up at the cigar bar and they say they're doing work. And I'm like, honestly, I love, I love hearing that. I, you know, here in Florida, I'm very active on social media. I'm, you know, I'm kind of a, I'm an attention whore if I'm just being completely honest with you. And, um, but like we're, my wife and I, we moved to not Orlando particularly. We moved to Florida because we wanted to do fun stuff. And we, we go to the beach and we do fun things. Uh, we went down to the Keys for Thanksgiving and stuff. But, uh, but we live, tw- you're 20 minutes from the beach. I'm 20 minutes from Disney World. So I, uh, we're there all the time and I'm only yeah. always doing live videos and stuff. That's great. And, and I now realize how people feel about me because as you were saying what you were doing in Hawaii, I'm like, <laughs> wow, I hate this guy. He's a, he's a terrible person for sharing. Well, this and we us. got, we got to a point where we've stopped posting sunset views on Instagram because we didn't want people to hate us. Yeah. It was like in December <laughs> when they're in Minnesota and it's 60 degrees below. Yep. And we're like, here's the latest sunset. And actually our friends all said, no, keep posting it. We appreciate them. <laughs> That's out cool. of their misery. Well, Josh, tell everyone. Um, now, I know listeners, Josh won't want to say this. And correct me if I'm wrong, Josh. I'll say it for him. If you got a business that's doing $100,000 a year, you're probably not the right client for uh, for Josh. But if you're at that $1 million, $5 million range, somewhere in there, 
and they wanted to reach out to you, uh, if they want to learn, uh, find your book and all that good stuff, tell everyone how they can get in touch with you. Yep. So yeah. And, and, and I'm not offended to say that if they're too small, I can't help them. It's, um, it's just where I'm at. The type Mm -hmm. of stuff I help with is, is, um, more complex at times or, um, more involved. So bottleneckbreakthrough.com is my website. Uh, I've got a section on the book there. The book's on Amazon. Um, it's on Kindle. It's on iTunes. It's on Audible. It's at Barnes and Noble. Um, so all any format you want to consume it, uh, I, I finally got it into the audiobook format. Because after the speaking at a service autopilot, all those guys are like, man, I mow through audiobooks. And I'm like, Yep. I've never had a client that was a big audiobook listener and they're like, Oh, we know we're lousy business owners. I'm like, I'm not saying that. I just, so well, I got the it service recorded. industry is all about it audiobooks. Yeah. It is. So I got it done in November and uh, just for them and for you guys. So it's all there. Um, yeah. And on my website, there's an application to talk to me. There's no surprises. We get on the phone, we talk. If there's a fit, I tell you, if there's not, I tell you, um, I give you a lot of free resources, a lot of free consulting. Uh, and I, if we agree to something, you'll get it in writing and then invoices will come. So there's no surprises. There's no gotchas or big contracts. I don't put anybody in a long-term contract. It's all handshake deals. Uh, cause I, the last thing I want is my fee to be a, uh, something that the owner's sweating. That's the yeah. opposite of what I exist for. Yep. Um, yep. so yeah. And I, I love helping business owners. I've got a Facebook group. If you don't mind me dropping that. No, please um, do. So it's Bottleneck Breakthrough Method at the Facebook group. Uh, It's got about 200 members uh, currently, and I post in that regularly. I was doing it daily this last month. I've been kind of a trauma surgeon out in the field with all these businesses. I've been consulting, helping them get through this corona crisis. Um, But there's a lot of great resources. I posted a bunch of stuff. had um, some financial planners talk about the PPP loans and Mm -hmm. um, all this stimulus funding. Um, But just talking about what's working with clients, what's not. great community and uh yeah that's it so the book the website facebook group and uh if you try to follow me on instagram you're probably gonna see pictures of my kids and myself and my wife at the beach <laughs> um so the facebook well, you now group have 201 is... guys in your facebook group i just applied so nice so make sure you approve yeah me. i don't know if i'm gonna let you in but okay. we'll see <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's, it's all fun and, uh, I enjoy this stuff. I enjoy helping out and, um, don't hesitate reaching out. I'm on LinkedIn too. If you guys use LinkedIn, um, I don't post as much there, but, uh, and then I've got a podcast bottleneck breakthrough method. Um, it's on iTunes, it's on iTunes, it's on Spotify, it's everywhere. Um, and it's just me. So it's really narcissistic. It's really self-serving. Um, I don't like having other people talk over me. So um, it's just me talking endlessly because I like hearing my own voice. You must have hated this podcast if you don't like people talking. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, I just realized uh, it's just sharing the stuff that I help clients with all the time. And I found that the monologue is the best way to get real yeah. tangible meat out. Yep. Um, Good stuff. So. Well, Josh, listen, I have to give us a hard stop here because I've got another, sh- someone else's show that I've got to do here in like five minutes, but thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's tough, but, but seriously, thank you so much. Um, Yeah. My pleasure. I I hope we can stay connected and um, you you just seem like a super cool dude. So uh, thank you for being here guys. Thank you for listening. This is Bobby Walker with journey of a new entrepreneur and remember 
if you're not doing the things that you want to be doing in life, you better have a damn good reason for it. But if you're not pursuing those things, there's no good reason for it. Peace out.